0: Jurassic Park 3 Minute. We'll be discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel, one minute at a time. I'm Brad. And And today we're back to discuss Minute 53 of Jurassic Park 3. But before we get to that, David, you found something very special during the week. (laughs) I did? The the behind-the-scenes... Oh,
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought you, I thought you meant like I bought something very special. I'm like, no, I'm saving my money right now. I got I got a ship coming up here.
0: Yeah, well, it's right. probably probably a couple of couple of weeks away ago now. Um, with the uh, way the these episodes have come out, because David, you are about to go away and return to the redwoods, and we've had to record a few extras <laughs> just to uh, just to fill in the gaps while you're away. But um, yeah, yeah, e entertainment, you've uh, found a nice little behind the scenes video that. Uh, has shown some new uh, information on our favorite film.
1: Yeah, the real, the Lost World did a, or well, E Entertainment did a Lost World episode back. I guess when the movie must have just first came out because um, I was rummaging through YouTube actually and w- was looking for like any kind of behind the scenes anything I could find. That might help me in any way in the redwoods, and I found something that i had not seen before, which was Vince Vaughn hosting a e-entertainment kind of like little behind-the-scenes slash sales kind of thing, and it's really cool because it has a ton of ton of uh, footage of the redwoods that I'm not the redwood. I'm sorry, the worker village that I've never seen before. So I got redwoods at the main.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's some shots of the redwoods too, but a couple of those classic ones of behind the scenes with Sarah climbing over that big fallen one, which I want to see a photo of you sitting on that. It should still be there. <laughs> you just got to find it. But um, yeah, even the, like the work of village it itself, like it starts with Vince and Scott. All the actors there having interviews in front of certain areas and aspects of mm-hmm. the worker village, like there. it's I don't, and you'd have to correct me. I don't think we've ever seen the. Um, the rib cage, dinosaur rib cage, in location with the pipes before in daytime.
1: I think they're there during the sliders, but not with the set dressing still around them. No, now with um in sliders they kind of cleaned everything away and just kind of used the set as was. But here the worker village still has a lot of the set dressing on it, and so that was exciting to see.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. That 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 rib cage, the dinosaur, the dinosaur rib cage, was still there. And he, mm-hmm. he points it out and says, look at this, look at this giant rib cage behind me, um, still in location, and and yeah, even all the way through, like, the, the power poles are still falling over, that um, Bronco's still parked in front of the um, boarding house. Um,
1: mm. Oh which, yeah, everything's still there.
0: Yeah, which... Which, which
1: is... <laughs> oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh, um, we get an interview with Ian Malcolm, Oh, Ian Malcolm, uh, <laughs> I'm going to do that occasionally. Say the uh, actors' names and then their screen names. Um, Jeff Goldblum's there having an interview next to the Bronco, and um, mm-hmm. in a couple of scenes too. And Nick sort of bounces all over the place. One minute he's uh, there at the pipes at the fence, the next minute he's uh, up seemingly on the stairs or on the helipad looking down, and we can just see the corner of the uh, tower base behind him with um, a bit more of a look there of what that structure is about. And and then we get him on one of the uh, Sort of east veranda or east uh, catwalks around the operations building playing with his uh, little toy, his figure of himself.
1: Yeah. And which is really exciting because a couple of these in these shots we um, get a couple shots of him interviewing, and behind him you can see that mysterious uh, left side of the worker village that we've never seen before. Mm. And so that's really exciting because we're finally filling in these. Kind of, I guess you call them uh, unseen parts of the map or something. Yeah. The blank pages of the map are being filled in.
0: Yeah. And we thought it was Christmas a few months ago when Todd Bark started posting some of his stuff online and seeing mm-hmm. again behind the scenes and insights into stuff we'd never seen of the Lost World. And now this video that has existed <laughs> for a while um, has just come to light and again, as you said, it's showing. Yes, some of the uh, set dressing may have been replaced, but it still gives you the general layout of the floor. All the uh, vines and um, mm-hmm. also sort of the building itself is still there because we've even got Gillian Moore having an interview in one corner there too and there's a heap of crates and storage stuff stored behind her and between her interview and Vince Vaughn's interview, um, the classic original Jurassic uh, InGen logo appears stenciled on stuff, which... Mm-hmm. We never seen in the Lost World, apart from the uh, the security guards sort of had that a close uh, colorized or closely uh, same color on their shoulder patches and caps back at the mm-hmm. InGen Harbor. But um, all the vehicles that went to Sauna and everything we seen on Sauna all had the uh, the white, the plain white mm-hmm. InGen logo.
1: Which I guess you could kind of even suppose that there was some symbolism going on there. That what Hammond had built had been full of color and joy, and what Ludlow's trying to build is just a hollow shell of Hammond's dream hmm.
0: well it's funny you look on some of these crates and that with the InGen logo and even with the uh the security guys at San Diego when that gen is blue that dark blue if it, unless it's on a light background it's really hard to read it really hard to mm. see so you, you can tell why they on all the uh the olive drab jeeps and mm. trucks and that they just made a white white logo
1: which is funny because I actually noticed, you, it's funny you bring up the Jeeps because I just noticed the other day that there's actually an inconsistency with the Jeep that Roland and Ludlow are riding in
0: Ooh. on the game trail. Is that <laughs> in, got to do with the uh, the lights on the top of it?
1: No, no, it has to do with the Jeep itself. Oh. The Jeep, the, um, when, in, um, hold on, let me give, give me a second to gather my thoughts here. <laughs> yeah, you're right. When Roland and Ludlow are riding in the jeep at Patrick at the Patrick's Point location, the there's uh, no axe attached to the side of the jeep, and the um, gas can is facing with the, with the handle back towards the back. And when they're riding at the private ranch in Fieldbrook, there's suddenly a axe attached to the side of the jeep, and there's, the gas can is facing the opposite way, and it's strapped down differently.
0: You've ruined the film for me now. <laughs> that, no, it's sure, funny I how was, little things like that. It's always going to stand out now that you've told me about it.
1: <laughs> I know. Oh, <laughs> well, It's just funny, I mean, because I was looking at it, and I was looking for pictures, because I just love those Jeeps, man. I always wanted one. <laughs> hmm. And it's just funny because, I mean it's meant to be the same scene, they're meant to be the same spot on Isla Sorna, and there's no, there's never any, they're never shown refueling the jeep, and they're never shown stopping and getting out and getting into another jeep, so it's evidently in the scene meant to be the same jeep, you know?
0: And I suppose just going back to that um, before when you were saying about Nick in front of the waterfall, we've known for a long time that that pond the operations building was built on had a Mm -hmm. filtration system, and that's the best way to filter water, is have it Pumped up to a top of a small waterfall and have it circulating like that, mm-hmm. or a fountain, and just the fact that it's there on that side of the operations building, and we've never, never really seen that hill except for that one quick cut in uh, sliders when they'll run out the back hallway and up the ramp and up around the hill beside mm-hmm. it. But we never actually see that in sliders itself. But one thing I do love from this behind the scenes also is we get the uh, the actors interacting with their action figures from the time. <laughs> And I they said the 250 million dollars went into marketing and merchandise for the Lost World, which yeah. we've we've always said it's it's one of the biggest biggest uh, toy releases for the Jurassic franchise and and how much mm-hmm. we love the figures that come out. But it was just fantastic. You've got Richard Schiff there in what seems like a lab coat or a white white suit. Um, I
1: think he's wearing a white suit.
0: Yeah, or at least a <laughs> suit jacket anyway. But um, playing with the little figure of himself and of course the Eddie Carr had a, had a hat on and he's re- mm-hmm. referring to himself as Indiana Jones Eddie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, he, uh, he asked that, he said he asked the, uh, I can't remember who he said he asked, but he said that he was wondering why his character as an action figure looked like Indiana Jones like the hero adventurer type mm-hmm. and they said that, oh, he was he was designed before you were cast and he was that was meant to be with the lead what the lead character would look like
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you could just imagine the same thing with um uh, wayne knight wayne knight mm-hmm. yeah if he'd seen his um his figure too, and being true yeah. being a comedian he would have uh, that would have been a good little stand up bit <laughs> him talking about his figure. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Wait, no, I do like the detachable arm on his action figure, but the other way, and everything else about it just looks like a generic Bond villain. Mm. Lackey, you know? <laughs> like It looks like the kind of guy that you see in the background of a James Bond movie uh, locking down James Bond to the uh, table so that Dr. Evil or whatever <laughs> whatever villain he's facing can use the laser on him.
0: Fire the laser! out. <laughs> Uh, but yeah it's um it's a fantastic behind the scenes it's about 43 minutes long i think it is or 42 minutes long we'll um if we haven't already we'll definitely post a link up to it in the uh in the facebook Mm -hmm. group and um we'll we're going to dig dig deep into it over the next few weeks and uh, we'll return with a drastic mysteries and have a good look (laughs) a good look at some of the extra stuff it uh, reveals like even they've got um even got um, Vanessa Lee Chester sitting there in front of um, some of the steam pipes for the uh, for the geothermal plant, and just again mm-hmm. the detail, the moss on those pipes, something that was never going to be on film, or never never ended up on film, and just the detail is absolutely fantastic.
1: Oh yeah, we've spoken before about this, just how much we love just how much detail was put into these this set specifically too,
0: mm. you know. And there's one, there's one behind-the-scenes image of the uh, operations building, and you can actually see sort of the concrete structures either side, sort of its main, main backbone, I suppose you'd say, to keep it up off that water, and it's it's almost identical to the uh, concrete beams either side of the main Jurassic Park gates, just that triangular um, concrete mm-hmm. structure there, that, and then all the glass, and that's built around it. So, we'll, um... no, it's
1: interesting because a lot of the engine infrastructure in the 90s had this trapezoidal kind of shape about it mm. and you get it you get it here in the worker village too and back in um on Isla nublar a lot of the buildings from the entrance to the worker I mean I'm sorry the uh, visitor center the doors to the maintenance shed and the emergency bunker even the tunnel uh, outsides that we saw yeah. Had this, shape, had this trapezoid shape to him, and that returns here in the worker village with the shape of the operation center having these uh, trapezoid-like shapes to them from the front of the building and even the shape of the building itself being kind of like a four-sided trapezoid.
0: Yeah. Yep, and we're going to see it again in a couple of minutes' of time when we get to the aviary as well with the building mm-hmm. on top of the canyon. It's... That's probably our most Jurassic-looking building we've had in the sequel since Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that soon. So, yep, check out the uh, Facebook page and uh, have a bit of a look through that video, and uh, David will be back to discuss that in a couple weeks' time. Mm-hmm. Does anyone have a question that does not relate to Jurassic Park or the incident in San
1: Diego, which I did not witness?
0: Briefly checking out an article over at jurassic we've got a fantastic article written up here on the uh, satellite phones in the films, which, uh, of course, is uh, the one we have here, ringing in the uh, Spinosaur's belly, and the one that uh, Eddie takes along to uh, Isla Sauna as well in the Lost World. Mm-hmm. Um, good bit of detail there. We've got the uh, Mitsubishi ST-155, which is the one Eddie took. A um, bit, of, bit of detail about that. I do love to hear how um, how some of the, the call costs <laughs> fifteen dollars a minute <laughs> back in the day, and how the uh, the phones themselves um, cost thousands. And even even mentioned here the discussion we had last minute or a minute before of was it actually uh, Paul's phone, considering how much the phone itself would have cost back in the day, and mm-hmm. how uh, how his uh, lifestyle no, how his finances might not have uh, justified the purchase, but.
1: And again, I mean, you're going to a remote location. I think that the they justified a satellite phone in the Lost World because the fact that Isla Sorna is so remote, you're not going to get cell service out there, and or even radio service out there. Hmm. So if you really want to get out, if you really want to contact somebody, you'd have to have satellite
0: contact. You yeah, know? that's that's your that's your last resort. That's your key or when they take it off the island. And they'd have to, um, you'd have to have it just in case, because I suppose they'd have no, um, we might have mentioned this back when we were at the airport too. They'd have no knowing, no way of knowing if they could even land, if uh, if they tried to land, if the plane would land successfully without breaking or um, all that sort of thing, or even even tying a, <laughs> a red balloon to the phone, throwing out of the plane if they found Eric on the beach or something. Mm -hmm. So at least he could call. But yeah, head over to Jurassic Dashpedia and check out that article and many more. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, David, 53, ready to get into it? Sure. As we end in minute 52 of Jurassic Park 3, the Kirbys and Billy started walking off into the jungle. Elsewhere, Alan and Eric had been walking also when Eric started to hear his father's satellite phone and started running in the direction of the sound, calling out, "Mom." Dad. As we open on minute 53, we're back with the Kirbys. At the five second mark, Paul stops Amanda. He hears something. As we wait for a minute through the sound of the bugs in the jungle, we hear Eric call out, Mum, Dad. Excited, Paul and Amanda start to run off in the direction of the sound of their son. Amanda nearly falls over. Then Billy has to try and turn around, catch up, and chase after the Kirbys. Over the next couple of seconds as the triumphant music begins to build, we cut back between Eric and the Kirbys, running through the jungle, calling each other's names. At the 24 second mark, Amanda and Paul emerge into a clearing and run through the fog, towards the sound of their son calling out their name. The 26 second mark, we briefly cut back to Alan and Eric as they too enter a clearing. This time the camera seems higher up and we cut back to Amanda and Paul still running, as a man-made structure begins to frame the image. We pull back to see that there's a fence between them and their son. At the 33 second mark, they both arrive at the fence, and Eric throws his arms through the cabling and hugs his mother, and Paul says, I knew it, I knew you alive. The free hug continuously, as Paul and Grant catch up. They move their own section of the fence and put their hands through the cabling and shake hands. At the 44 second mark, Billy says, boy, am I glad to see you. At the 50-second mark, Grant starts to walk backwards. But Billy asks, you want me to carry it? Grant continues to walk back, puts his hands on his hips and looks up at the fence and says, We need to find a gap here. We get a cut to Grant's viewpoint, looking up at the top of the fence and the large spikes that are at the top. And as the minute ends, we cut back to the Kirby's, As Paul asks Eric, How'd you know we're here? Last minute, we just got the cut of... Uh Billy Paul and Amanda continuing to walk through the jungle after Eric had started running off from Grant after hearing the satellite phone, and um, once again we're here in this tight, tight jungle, which um, I'm going to say is a set because we we'll see a stream in a minute when they run, run away. But um, it's, and also it might be a set too because you can, when Billy's walking, his footsteps sound really loud and hollowish, like he's walking <clears throat> on on plywood or something.
1: Yeah, and then we get. I'm gonna uh, break the bubble here and say that the tree that we when uh, we get we enter this the shot we get a pan down from a tree, and that tree branch just does not look realistic. <laughs> you know, I mean, it looks like something out of out of King Kong or something, and it definitely looks like a set. You know.
0: Yeah, I think we mentioned. I think um, well, you mentioned a few months ago when you got um, the Blu-rays out and uh, re-watch the films and I've done that recently as well and I Jurassic Park was one I wasn't really looking forward to in high def because of the, uh, some of the issues with CG and the sets but uh, then Paul's, Paul hears something and um, you got to have the volume right up to hear it but you can sort of hear Eric's first faint cry <laughs> coming out through the jungle and, yeah. and Amanda stops and they both listen for a minute and you can start to hear Eric calling out Mum and Dad again. And Paul and Amanda start to run off to the left. Amanda trips as she's running, so she's in that much of a hurry. And Billy sort of looks around, realizes he's getting left behind, and has to run and catch <laughs> up as well. And, it's um, interesting
1: because you can actually hear the satellite phone when Eric hears it. And it's like something you'd have to hear, like, surround sound down or something. But I remember, even in the theater when I was a kid, that it was like, you heard the satellite phone ring, and then you heard then you see Eric per- perk up, and he, and you know that you know he's hearing what you're hearing, you know.
0: Yeah, it seems in both occurrences where Eric hears the phone, and then the Kerb is here. Eric, they stop and hear something that we can't hear until they actually mention it. Because mm. I don't, I don't think, it, I don't think you can hear the satellite phone until Eric says stop, shush, listen and even here I don't think, it's not until when Paul stops and says and hears something then you can hear that faint Eric or faint mum and dad call out from Eric
1: mm-hmm.
0: but yeah as the um, as this shot here ends they sort of run up a bit of a slight rise and again you can see that stream bed that, um, running through the <laughs> set <laughs> as, the, uh, as the emotional music begins to build we sort of cut back and forth between the two groups as they're running closer together and yelling louder and louder and we finally see Paul and Co. emerge from the forest into a clearing with uh some tall grass in spots and as we've mentioned previous minutes that fog machine working overtime. <laughs> <laughs> if it's real, it might even be CG it looks that bad. I dunno. But um
1: I I'd imagine like real fog would probably be a lot cheaper than CGI fog though.
0: You yeah, know? I know. I know, but yeah.
1: Um, it might not have been was... the right way. <laughs> And this was done on location, though, too. It was a... Oh. um, This one was done at... Uh, where do they... Where, Kahili, I think. The one where they filmed the first movie, actually.
0: Yeah, I didn't... Read, same read. ranch.
1: They filmed the first movie in.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know there's been a few people visiting the area recently and the tree that's beside the fence here in a minute still there. Mm-hmm. You Sort of see where they CG'd in the, uh, the rest of the fence going off into the distance, but... Um, mm-hmm. Before we get to that, it's sort of. It might be just the way it's shot here, because when Paul and Amanda and that come out of the jungle, the camera's sort of down at head head height. But when we cut to Grant and Eric running out of the jungle, it seems to be up higher, almost from the view of the Spinosaur looking down at them as they mm-hmm. run out into the clearing as well. But And it also looks like there's Eric and Grant are running uphill towards, towards Paul and Amanda. But um, as we continue to watch Paul and Amanda run towards us through the. Uh, Grass. The camera begins to pull back, and we get our first shots of the uh, main main object, the fence. Um, mm-hmm. And as we pull back further, we get to see much more of the fence. And um, as we cut behind Amanda and Paul as they approach, calling out to Eric,
1: mm-hmm. Hammond, you liar!
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, before be no fences. <laughs> before we get to that, um, we get the music swell and they come together. And I love how there's a bit of that um, the sound effect of clanking. As um, Eric hits the steel steel beam there, and sort of puts his hands through the fence and um, to cuddle, I'm glad. Or it's obviously didn't look up and see the high voltage sign on it, and there's no no return joke <laughs> of Grant in the first film saying wait 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 and pick up a stick and then throw at it. But
1: um, <laughs> it's, I was gonna say it's funny because it doesn't even say how high voltage on these signs; it just says danger high voltage. Yeah. Yep. There's no uh, 10,000-volt sign or anything like there was even on the worker village.
0: Yeah, true, true. But uh, Billy finally catches up and sees Grant. Uh, The two shake hands, and Billy says, boy, am I glad to see you. Uh, Then notices Grant has got his bag and says, hey, you you have my bag. And Grant smiles and says, yeah, lucky strap, (laughs) which is... (laughs) A little bit of a dig there, and then Grant steps to uh, starts to step back and look up at the fence, and uh, Billy asks Grant if he wants Billy to carry it, and Grant just says, "We need to find a gap here." But mm-hmm. uh, let's get to this fence. <laughs> yes, Hammond, you liar. Um, it's a it's a big one. It's it's bigger. It's it's. We're we'll talking before with the uh, architecture of the worker village and sort of the building sharing much of the same sort of design, but here we got this big monstrosity. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Wow. And
1: this thing is built heavily and it makes me think it was built for the Spinosaurus just because whatever they were keeping in here they did uh, not want to get out yeah. they got. They have more than just the um, those big girders going across of it they have smaller kind of net wire going across it too that presumably was also electrified and then the top has these giant giant spikes on them, like even if it tries to climb over the top it's gonna it's gonna have a bad time you know hmm.
0: this is um this could also be a a reaction to what happened on nublar they uh, they i'm sure i'm sure grant and that would have been debriefed or whatever by engine they would have discussed how the trenosaur escaped where mm-hmm. here, instead of having just those cables, if there's a power fail, you've still got these massive beams set in this really fortified concrete base. Then these massive, um, massive cross poles and this, I think there's about six or seven of them. Yeah, six cross beams. The high defence, so it's going to stop a, the animal pushing through it for the most part mm-hmm. as well. And then just to just to piss the animal off even more, they've got yeah, this grid. It's almost like a cargo net of... Um, it's, I'm sure it's supposed to be cable, but um, again, high def and looking at it, it's clearly just rope with um, <laughs> with some plastic notches keeping it together to keep the grid pattern, mm-hmm. but yeah, just these large um, grid grid pattern of uh, cabling on the front of it in the large section, and you don't see it here, but as they start to run down along the fence, you can actually see the wires and ins- insulation going between sections across the front of the, uh, the poles, so they, they are supposed to be electrified just to mm-hmm. annoy the animal more, but, yeah, as you said, like, the massive spikes on top just to stop the Spinosaur sticking its head over, it makes it makes me wonder why White's here, if it's just something to keep the aviary safe, but then... Yeah.
1: Well, another thing to keep in mind is that the... um, uh, In the Jurassic Park canon, the Spinosaurus was meant to be... Uh, have been cloned after the events of 1997. And even though that wasn't wasn't considered at the time this movie was filmed, it does kind of explain a lot, just because I mean, as Hammond said, there was not meant to be any fences. And if he didn't know that this was built, he technically wasn't lying.
0: And that, that could explain also why it's such a dramatic shift from what we've seen before with park fences. Like, even in the lost world, we have the same, the same design, almost identical design fence around the worker village as we do on Newblar. And here, if if they did have the Spinosaur created in ninety nine or ninety seven, <laughs> whenever they uh, DPG said it was created, and maybe they did come in and make make this fence um, to to keep the keep the animal contained. Unfortunately, it doesn't explain. Well, I suppose it got out, obviously, and put a hole in it, but it doesn't really explain mm. how how these two groups come to be on either side of it. In the script, there's no fence here at all, so I don't know if that was just something from a past past revision of the script that was um, added because they had the set built. Because um, we're gonna have that same problem in a couple of minutes' time with the uh, it chasing the survivors into the uh, observation building of the aviary. But but as sort of Grant looks up. And uh, you can see sort of those similar amber and blue lights on the poles as well, much like we've seen on Nublar, So that's probably the only real familiar bit to uh, to link back to Nublar, But but and as you said too, also got the uh, the high voltage signs there, but not not actually how how high voltage it actually is. Mm-hmm. And in the in in the novel, sort of Eric looks up and realises they can't climb it, but. I think it'd be pretty easy to climb. Those spikes are that large. I think you'd be able to get... If it was razor wire or something, you'd be more of a trouble, but I think with some time, mm-hmm. you'd be able to get up over it. It's only Eric and Grant. Grant's, oh. Grant's climbed the fence yeah. before.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, he could, but the Spinosaurus definitely could not. And I think they're also trying to avoid the fact that... Um, well, that comes in after he says this, but once the Spinosaurus shows up and they're they get chased there's really no option of climbing over
0: oh yeah yeah it put you at a very convenient biting height
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah very
0: convenient yeah. yeah and there's also you could also ask a question maybe that maybe the fence was something they created before they started making fences on Nublar and realized making this sort of fence was going to be too expensive materials wise and just went with a simpler cable mm. and electricity design but we do sort of get um a similar issue here in the uh, in Jurassic park when they're at the perimeter fence and climbing over where you have the cables and yes there's a lot more wiring on the fence because it's a perimeter fence and needs to keep smaller animals out and not be able to get through it but you've still got wires that are permanently attached to the upright poles and not running through insulators so in real real world if you put power onto that it just short out straight away and these um large grids of cabling here are sort of the same they're just you can see them they're just mounted up against the concrete base which isn't uh, isn't very insulated <laughs> and lastly I suppose with um, them being either side of the fence it's always assumed in Jurassic Park also that um, Grant and the kids had already climbed other fences before we get to the perimeter fence it was just something that didn't need to be seen because <clears throat> um, being whether they were in the Trenosaur paddock or beside it ending up in the Raptor paddock and then ending up at the perimeter fence as well I I think there would have been two fences they would have had to climb before getting to the perimeter fence if you look at the, the fence map for like mean, because there's always been speculation about that and Grant yeah I think that, so too Yeah, Grant saying those eggs were raptor eggs instead of just saying look dinosaur eggs they're breeding <laughs> throwing that whole spanner in the, in the fandom but uh, yeah as we uh, end the minute Paul asks Eric how do you know we're here Anything else on that, or the fence you want to discuss before we go on to novel comparisons? No, I think we're good. As they well, in the uh, in the script, as they walk, well, Paul's um, picking briars out of his socks, and then Amanda stops him and being the one to hear the first one to hear, and um, the others hear. Paul realizes it's his phone, not Eric, calling out in the film. So in the script, it's actually Eric calling out because he hears the phone, and um, Paul and Amanda hear the phone as well, and not Eric calling, but. Paul starts searching his pockets, and Amanda asks, um, you had your phone on you the whole time. (laughs) Which, it's interesting, the script here, we have the whole, the whole where's the phone, I'll enter Nash thing happening here after they first hear it, and not at the fence, because there's no fence in the script. But we get back to, um, we can still sort of hear the faint ringing, as Grant and Eric turn and see a sail, and the animal moving through some low trees, and they realise the sound is coming from inside it, so... Grant and Eric can already see the Spinosaur and realise the phone's inside. Mm. And they uh, they press their back up against the tree as the animal moves close by them. And then Eric looks across a, a clearing and is surprised to see his parents standing no more than 20 yards away, also hiding. And out of reflex, Eric calls out Mum, Dad, which you've survived eight eight weeks on this island and now you're going to get killed in, <laughs> in the last one. But Grant immediately covers the boy's mouth trying to shush him and the animal stops and... Uh, uh, Eric and his parents lock eyes, and there's a thousand emotions at once, they want to yell out to him, but, um, it's a run to him, but the monster is close, and, uh, after a moment the Spinosaur begins to walk away, and the sound of the phone fades, and then, uh, Eric breaks from Grant and runs for his parents and the family embrace, Paul says, never had a doubt, never did, us Kirby men stick together, which, <laughs> that's a bit of a, yeah, considering that you've divorced Amanda and... You weren't even with Eric when they went on this holiday. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I do like the idea of them um, seeing the Spinosaurus' sail kind of moving through the trees before uh, the Spinosaurus actually attacks. And something I just never liked, and we'll talk about this also in the next minute, is how the Spinosaurus just kind of stands there <laughs> whole, like breathing heavily like some kind of creeper at the edge of the woods, you know?
0: Yeah, it just turns off <laughs> like seems
1: a ghost. So, yeah, It just seems so out of character for a dinosaur. Man. You know, like what dinosaur waits for you to turn around and see that?
0: Well, not only that too, it's sort of the whole animals this large. We had with the T-Rex in Jurassic Park as well. Just large animals being able to sneak up on people when you've established that when you hear those footsteps coming, you're in trouble. Yeah, the family embrace, and Paul says... Um, oh, yeah, said that. Um, looking at their grubby, grubby son, Amanda licks her shirt tails and starts rubbing his face clean, which is in, in, uh, instinct of a mother to start cleaning the boy's face up. Um, Billy goes mm. straight to Grant, and Grant says we need to keep moving. And uh, in the novel... Um, Eric runs up to the the fence, which is described as one of InGen's giant dinosaur fences, and looks up to see rusty spikes on top and realises he can't climb over it. Uh, Grant catches up to Eric and looks unhappy at the fence, saying, we need to find a gap, and uh, everyone starts walking along the fence then, um, looking for an opening, and Eric sort of walks on the opposite side, but staying close to his parents. And then that's when uh, Paul asks, "So so sport, how did you know we were so close? And that's when uh, Eric says "You heard your stupid <laughs> jingle.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, and we'll uh, see why next minute.
0: Yeah, yep. Uh, so, Dave, that's it for 53. Anything else you want to discuss before we get for the day?
1: Yeah, I think we're good.
0: All right. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is drasticminutes.wordpress.com, And you can find the Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there David, where are we on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter,
1: we are at Jurassic Minute Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minutes podcast
0: Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions
1: This is how you make dinosaurs This is how you play God If we split up I'm going with you guys Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now, what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters. Nothing more and nothing less. Uh, Are you saying that you wouldn't want to get on to Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on Earth or Heaven. Get me on that island.
0: You're desky. Hello? Charlie! Charlie!
1: Hello? Charlie, take the phone to mommy now! Take the phone to mommy! It's the dinosaur there!